listening to the Horizons Church Podcast. How you doing? Uh, <laughs> I'm pretty good. Feeling pretty good? Uh, oh my word. Feeling so good that uh, I couldn't make you an offer, you couldn't refuse? Uh, you could. Uh, you definitely could. You come to me on this the day that we are recording podcasts. <laughs> yeah, that's good. I'm sorry. I just... <laughs> I got into the zone and I just couldn't stop. Yeah. So I where is EJ? He, he can overdub himself doing the Godfather. <laughs> oh, man. No, how be it? Pretty good, I think. I started my day with a, um, no one wants to hear this, but here we are. No, no. Uh, now you've piqued my curiosity and I do want to hear. I had a, the Impossible Breakfast Sandwich at Starbucks. Oh. It's a mouthful to say. But um, I'm not even familiar with this. I've never even heard oh, of it. It's one of my favorite things. It's that, good that you could buy in a drive-through window. Ah, mm. uh, in creation, mm. it's a uh, basically a sausage, egg, and cheese thing. <laughs> on yeah, because it's not a bagel. You know what I mean? I feel like I I desire to say the word bagel, but it's like on ciabatta bread. Mm. Oh my word! It's really it shouldn't be that good. That does sound good though. But it's extraordinary. It's like it's impossible. Well, you and I, as of this recording, were at Stone Tower yesterday. Yeah. For oh, a little synod, I a little gathering. I love Stone and Tower. their breakfast sandwiches are yeah. top if, if notch. If you can actually have a proper breakfast sandwich, that is that is the best in all the land. It is. Yeah. Yes, it is. And their coffee, I think Stone Tower around here, as yeah. far as where you can go to get good coffee, the best. I would also say the best. Favorite. Not even close. Really, everything about Stone Tower, I love. I love correct. everything about that it. That is correct. I'm going to second that through and through. I had a... One of their specials two weeks ago was uh, like a catfish sandwich. What? It was amazing. Okay. Oh, yeah. It was excellent. I would actually give them the benefit of the doubt on pretty much anything. Yeah. My normal go-to for lunch slash dinner orders is the chicken street tacos, <gasps> oh, which are phenomenal. That does sound amazing. Yeah. I might have to go try that. Oh, you absolutely wow. ought to go try that because <laughs> they are so good. <laughs> Just like everything else there is. So very true. Yeah, I did not have a breakfast sandwich this morning. I'm I had, sorry. I had no, no. Don't be sorry because I had Lucky Charms marshmallow clusters <laughs> for breakfast. Oh, it was one of those mornings. I was like, yeah, yeah. you know, what? I'm just doing a. I'm gonna do a sugary cereal. Yeah, it's you know, some days you just got to do it. I, I, I mean, do you have I, to? I suppose under compulsion, no. But you got to in that that different way, you know. <laughs> Like, not in the yeah. compelled way, uh-huh. got to, but like, oh, you got to, because, I got, mean, why got, not? Got to for the soul. You know what I'm saying? A, yeah, for the soul. For the soul, but the soul in a secular way. Yeah. Like, f- technically just for the heart. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But, like, But certainly not medical. Like so. when, <laughs> like in that episode of SpongeBob, <laughs> back in the day, this is an old one, before okay, SpongeBob okay. got not great. Like, <laughs> hey, listen, I'm just, hot just, take. Just telling it like it is. Post-2005 SpongeBob. No. I just stopped. I'm like, no, yeah. it's just not funny. It's not great. They used to produce literal freaking songs. Yeah. What a time to yeah. be alive. Right. Okay, yes. continue. So, but one of the old episodes where SpongeBob is trying to convince Squidward uh-huh. that oh, Krabby Patties yes. are great. It's is like, they're awful for you medically or whatever. And then SpongeBob's like, no, Squidward, I didn't mean good for your body. I meant good for your soul. <laughs> <laughs> and the angelic, you know, music oh, begins playing. It's one of the best, too. It is. Oh, it is. <laughs> you like Krabby Patties, don't you, Squidward? <laughs> <laughs> Good memories. Yeah. Wow. All the parents listening, you know, versus all like the people our age listening, collectively different responses. Like yes. our our peers are like, yeah, SpongeBob's great. Parents, parents are like, like what we, an annoying show. We let our kids watch that. Yeah, like why did why did we do that? Uh just kinda like Ed Ed and Eddie. I Did you watch Ed and Eddie? No, I wasn't allowed. No mm. shame. No shame on my mother. No. Um, I, I watched mean, Scooby-Doo like it was a religion. Yeah, Scooby-Doo so. was great. 
and I understand it because, like, looking back now, I'm like, would I want my four-year-old daughter watching it at Ed Eddie? I don't know. I don't know if I would. You know, like, it's just, it's just kind of, but I, did I love it? Yeah, I absolutely did. Do you want to know the show that I really pined for? That I couldn't mm-hmm. watch? I don't even know what it's about, but I'm like, I like the vibe. The show that I wanted to watch was Freakazoid. <laughs> oh, Freakazoid, yeah. I don't know what it's about, but, like, that was, like, my, I tell you either, that was but... my white whale because I wasn't allowed to watch it. <laughs> Granted, I think it was just because the optics. Like, they're not doing me any favors by naming their show Freakazoid. That's not helpful. <laughs> <laughs> like that's the barrier to get over. And um the way it looks, that's like yeah. the blue guy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Dang. It basically like proto Incredibles. Yeah. With the little mask mm-hmm. on his face. Dang, I wanna I remember watching that, but even with that memory, I couldn't tell you what it was about. Yeah. So Wow. What a trip. Yeah. What a trip. Now I'm thinking about all the shows I watched as yes. a child that are no more or you have to go find and you yeah. know the depths of the YouTube archives or whatever. And one of these days I need to track those down like uh battle bots. Yeah. For me. We're talking about a big thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, how fun. <laughs> Uh, well, other things that are fun, we're continuing our miniseries. Yeah. You speak of old series. <laughs> We've got our own little miniseries going on here where we're working through the key points of Ligonier's State of Theology Survey. Just sounds a lot more. I like, like, like WWE uh-huh. Raw or something. Like, oh, State okay. of Theology Survey! I was thinking, I was thinking like the sound effects behind Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Oh, yeah, yeah no. It also acceptable. High, like high key presentation. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yes. Is this a late 1990s PowerPoint? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, so as we uh, as we continue through that, we come today to a point to that, uh, much like all the others, is quite surprising, at least to me, which will be a recurring theme <laughs> as we go through it. The statement we're looking at today is, everyone is born innocent in the eyes of God. Okay. That's the statement that they sent out to the masses. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to gauge your agreement or disagreement with. Sure. Everyone is born innocent in the eyes of God. So in other words, the survey is basically asking people, do you believe that we are born with a sin nature or that we are born without one? Mm. Just not using any of those helpful words. Right. Yes. Right. Yes. They're not <laughs> They're not using the word innocent in the legal sense. Yeah. You know, true. like as if babies are innocent of crimes because, you know, like, yeah, of course they are. Usually. Like, you've not <laughs> nine times out of like ten they are. Yeah. Which babies do you? You know oh, I'm sorry. That. I didn't mean to disclose you know, so, this. Like, like Boss Baby. Like that Alec Baldwin Why does that movie? exist? Why does that exist? It's so unsettling. To State me. of Theology Survey. Boss Baby is a good movie. Strongly Do I disagree. disagree? <laughs> you are ascended. <laughs> oh, man. Ooh, no, so yeah, they're not using the word innocent in that way. Uh, rather, they're using it in the, if you can believe it, plot twist, theological sense of the word what? innocent. In which the term innocence is meant to convey a freedom from sin, both in nature and choice. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now, across the general adult population in the United States, 71% of people agree with the statement Mm. that everyone is born innocent in the eyes of God. I actually am very curious to meet the other percent. Yes. Like, where are you right now? Like, what are you thinking? Yeah. I would love to hear their scathing view of the world. Humanity. Yeah. They're, they're just the Nietzsche's of the world. That's like, true. That's, <laughs> they're just over here like, all this power, there is innocence. What is innocence? There is no innocence. There's only strength. <laughs> like, <laughs> sir, this is a Wendy's. <laughs> oh, so, um, yeah, anyway, that's not surprising, I suppose. You know, you have the almost three quarters of the general population saying that, like, oh, yeah, you know, you're not born with a... a sin nature or don't sin that category probably isn't even something that's in their minds right, you know right um but once again when we turn to the christian sphere i'm reading it aloud now i'm preparing to read it and i'm 
I'm shocked. I'm just like, what am I about to read? Mm. 65% of -hmm. professing Christians agree with the statement that everyone is born innocent in the eyes of God. Yeah, yeah. That is wild to me. (laughs) But I mean, of course. Yeah, sure. Like, Of course we want to say that because I think in the moment, who sits there and wants to consider like a condemnation and accountability right. at the point of birth. Completely and, fair. And, I, and I, I mean, I completely understand because that absolutely is the cultural impulse. And I say that with the best of intentions. Yeah, like, right. no shade yeah. at all. <laughs> Innocence is the language we use when we talk about the loss of life and yes. the desire to like protect children. And, right. And it's our way of thought around this. However, absolutely. <laughs> like sin nature, that thing, that's in the 101 word bank. <laughs> You know what I mean? It's like, I feel like... Essential to Christianity. Like, you don't become a Christian biblically until you like, oh, you repent of sin yeah. and believe that in is, the Lord Jesus. That's like, in the first three pages like, of the guidebook. Yeah, to, like, you know, if you did the Romans road thing, it was like, <laughs> one of the first things you throw out is Romans 3, where it's like, you're born in yeah. sin and no one is righteous. Even no, not most, one. Like, the most cumbersome of all sales pitches. <laughs> yes. It covers that detail. Yes, it does. Like, yeah. Yeah. So... That, exactly to your point that you stated so well, I think that is why it's surprising. If you're going to, in this day and age, take the trouble to say I'm a professing Christian and then say, oh, yeah, no, I agree with the statement we're all born innocent in the eyes of God. It's like some of that just doesn't click to me. Now, having said that, you know, of course, not I'm not talking to the people who say that. So you have, you know, part of that is difficult to gauge. But again, they're referring specifically to those who identify as evangelical based on the four statements we mentioned in the first episode way back when that I can't recall all four of them off the top of my head. Yeah. So that surprised me because the doctrine of original sin is one that, you know, again, at least I assumed based on personal experience, which once again demonstrates how unreliable that can be, <laughs> um, you know, that orthodox and especially evangelical churches to which, you know, this demographic is referring are good about teaching that. That's, I think, what's so surprising to me about it. Mm. If I was considering completely from the angles that you mentioned, like, yeah, like, that that makes sense. Of course it does. It's the fact that, you know, I cannot think of the last time I heard a sermon from, you know, whether evangelical, historically Protestant, otherwise just biblically Orthodox, Catholic, Eastern, whatever, Mm -hmm. where you didn't eventually get to robust is a weird word to use with this doctrine, but like a thorough teaching of original sin yeah, or radical depravity or whatever term you want to apply to it. Mm -hmm. Like that's just interesting to me. (laughs) And before we continue, the doctrine of original sin, in case anyone's wondering, like I've never heard those, you know, sometimes we use different words for these things. um, And you just want to be clear what you're talking about. The doctrine of original sin states basically the opposite of the phrase, everyone is born innocent in the eyes of God. (laughs) Is the opposite. Yeah, that's just the opposite of that. Now, to be fair, there were three people in human history who were born innocent in that sense. In the eyes of God, which, of course, is Adam and Eve and Jesus. Yeah. The way the eminent church father, Augustine, <laughs> talked about it is that they were able to not sin. Adam and Eve specifically, when he thinks about first Adam, Adam is able to not sin, mm. which is a key distinction because now in our natural state, because Adam fell, we are not able yeah. to not sin, which right. is a weird way to all the double negatives and all the Latin and all that weirdness. But that's just a big way of saying like we sin. And that's like, that's the default factory setting. Exactly. Because ever since Adam and Eve disobeyed God in the Garden of Eden, every single human being has had to deal with the reality of original sin. It's a notable milestone for us. Yes, it is. It's, I mean, within the first three chapters of the book, you know, like it's, it's right there at the beginning and everything in between. So 
succinctly defined, thanks to the Lexham survey of theology, original sin is the doctrine that, as a result of Adam's fall, all mankind are sinners by nature, having a propensity to sin that underlies every actual sin. Mm. I think I could imagine room for an argument here if, if the phrasing suggests that a propensity to sin is not actually the same as transgressing, but what my mind goes back to is, is what you mentioned, sin in both nature and yes. choice. Right. Which, that, I feel like, is pretty nuanced, actually. Yeah, you're exactly right. There is some nuance there. And we're actually going to get into that here okay. a little later in the discussion, okay. because a lot of people, when they start hearing Christians and theologians talk like this, questions start coming up. About, like, well, are you saying that nobody can do anything <laughs> righteous or anything that's, you know, helpful to society or, you know, whatever the case may be. So we're going to talk about that in a minute. But in scripture, you know, just so we're clear, this isn't just something the church made up to be like, oh, hey, you know what? We're really into making sure everyone feels bad for no good reason. Paul famously demonstrates this doctrine by quoting extensively from the Psalms in Romans 3, where he writes, none is righteous, No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together, they have become worthless. Not in the sense that you have no value as an image bearer, but like as in none of your acts have moral worth. No one does good, not even one. So, I mean, that's a pretty profuse litany right Uh, there. He, he, He covers pretty much everybody there. He says elsewhere in places like Ephesians 2 that we are, here again is this term, by nature, children of wrath. We are born under the judgment of God for sin. And he's simply teaching what all of scripture teaches when he says this, that if you want to put it another way, what Jesus says, you are of your father, the devil, and your desire is to do your father's will, you know, which again, that sounds like that's pretty scathing and strong, but like that's the natural state of a fallen human being. (laughs) Jesus and Paul aren't saying those things just to put human beings down. That's precisely the step you need to understand in order to be saved, which is, of course, Romans 3, then transitions into Romans 4 through 8, which is some of the most glorious, hope-filled, beautiful (laughs) uh, writing in all of Scripture. Uh, But that's for another time. And in regards to this whole thing, we could even quote the ever-quotable G.K. Chesterton here, because why wouldn't we? And we could say that even apart from Scripture, Original sin is the one Christian doctrine which can be empirically proven. (laughs) We suck. Yeah, like you just look at humanity and it's like, yeah, you know, you had this enlightenment myth in the 1700s. Like, oh, well, if we can just advance reason enough and we can really understand that mankind is a fraternity, we can all get beyond crime and selfishness and all that stuff. And that has not happened. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) There are still people because, again, the doctrine of original sin is true that like even people who can utilize the faculty of reason and understand certain truths about the world, they by disposition will try to find ways to use their power selfishly. Yeah, absolutely. You just can't get away from it. Like there's just no way to solve that problem. And this, like all the matters we will discuss throughout this survey is of eternal significance because apart from knowledge of our sin and sin nature and a willingness to agree with what God says about sin, Namely, of course, that it's a lawlessness and rebellion against him, a violation of our relationship with him and our neighbors, the doorway of death and hell and so on. We cannot be saved. And the consistent short summary of salvation in the Bible is repent and believe in Jesus Christ. So that naturally requires that we know that we are sinful, that we know what our sins are, and then we turn away from them toward Christ. Mm. Now, as I promised, a couple of brief points on this topic. (laughs) 
Uh, sometimes people misconstrue original sin or radical depravity or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. They misconstrue it as if the church is saying that all people are as bad and wicked as they could be and that no one does any morally decent acts ever and other things like that. It's pretty dire. Um, <laughs> I truly imagine falling asleep at night with, with that worldview in your head. That yeah, is... that's, that is existential to the umpteenth. Yeah. Yeah, like, that's the, I, I, that would not be a fun place mm. to be. But that is not what the doctrine teaches. So it is sometimes, it's misconstrued, it's straw-manned as if like, oh, you guys people right. believe that and, you know, that's just ridiculous and non-tenable. And that is not at all what the church has historically taught when it articulates that doctrine. Mm-hmm. Rather, original sin or radical depravity states truly that we are not all as sinful as we could be, but we all are tainted by sin through and through. So, again... There is no part of ourselves or our lives, our thoughts, actions, words, etc. that is not touched by sin. That's what that means. It's like a bad viral infection, if you will. And in some places, it does manifest itself more clearly than it does in other places. But the point is, is that, like James says, if you break even the smallest part of the law, <laughs> you're guilty for all of it. Yeah. Because God's law is eternal and good. So... Yeah, again, we're not saying everyone is as bad as they could be or that people can't do moral acts. We're just saying that everybody is touched through with sin. Yeah, it goes back to that propensity mm-hmm. like in in coffee terms. Um, <laughs> just stick with Love me. the coffee terms. Uh, like the grounds are already pre-infused with water, you know, without being stripped of all of their solubles to make espresso. <laughs> <laughs> this is not a, this is doctrine, Josiah. <laughs> Unfortunately. Make this a dogma of the church. <laughs> I'm I'm realizing that this kind of this metaphor makes coffee out to be pure sin. But <laughs> that aside, at least three people are with me here. And that would be the three people in this house working on, working on the podcast. I love coffee so, so much. Yeah. Oh, which it is not. Uh, yeah, yeah. And to carry this on, the point is not that an atheist can't save someone from drowning and that that's not a laudable act. Like, you know... If you have an atheist lifeguard who risks his life to save someone from drowning in the ocean, yeah, that's noble. you should not go up to him and be <laughs> like, I can't applaud your altruism because you don't believe in the Lord. <sighs> like, no, like he did something that was good, you know, like <laughs> I can't get this joke out. It's really dumb. <laughs> and I would like to say the lifeguard, that's his moment to say altruism is upon you, whether you would risk it or not. <laughs> For the Lord of the Rings fans in the room. Oh, I'm, so, I'm hot. It's really warm in here all of a sudden. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's, that's good. That's too much effort. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, you're exactly right. And also the point of this is not to say that a Christian can't say nasty things to their co-workers, you know? <laughs> the point is, again, that we are all of us to a man, woman, and child, sinners by nature and by choice, and the only way we can be saved from the just deserts of our sin is not by striving to be better or putting God in our mortal debt, but by agreeing with God about our sin, confessing it to him and to those whom we sin against, can't mm, forget that part, yeah. and receiving the forgiveness of those sins so that we might be free to pursue him in an increasingly virtuous life. That's it. And so that's why it is perhaps contrary to the 65% of <laughs> folks in that, that, that particular group who, yeah. you know, were thinking oddly about this, uh, why it is important to teach this and to continue to hold to it. Yeah. Especially in a day and age where 
moral relativism continues to be an issue that we have to deal with. So anyway, yeah, there's there's that episode of the State of Theology. Nice. Here we are. And I'm going to be thinking about that altruism joke for the rest of the, just, just the, you and rest me. Of the day. <laughs> ah, well, thank you as always for listening. If you have any questions on this or any other topic, feel free to email us at podcast at horizonschurch.net. And if you... Uh, found this episode helpful if it enlightened anything for you and you want to leave us an honest five-star review in that apple podcast platform mm. wouldn't be a sin if you did it honestly <laughs> you know you could just True. practice a little 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 kindness there you know no if you really would like to that would be awesome if not we still love you yeah. we're glad you're listening and we're thankful uh, that you listened with us today and we'll catch you next time mm.